It is Locked on Jazz for Wednesday, the 25th of August. Over-unders are out. Where do the Jazz sit? What do we think of them? And Ron Boone stays with us for day number three, looking around the entire league. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Locked On Jazz is free and on all platforms now on YouTube for you as well. Today's show, the betonline.ag over-unders are here for the year. I'll get some of my good friends around the league. Chuck Cooperstein, maybe, and I always do this every year. Mavericks announcer before it's over. Maybe I'll stop by with some other uh, friends around the league and we'll do some over-under fun uh, as well on Locked on Jazz uh, for all of you. Ron Boone's coming up. We'll talk league-wide stuff, bigger picture things. Uh, thanks to Ron. Feel free to send him a thank you at 1041 straight. Sorry for the little upload issue on Monday. Uh, I think we have it straightened out. Andy Larson joins us on Friday this week uh, for the show. All right, let's get to the over-unders. So the quick version before we dig into all the details is here's how they have the West. Bottom up. Oklahoma City's the worst team. Rockets are the second worst. Spurs are the third worst team. Like, no DeRozan, no Aldridge. Popovich, is it his final year? Quite a little story there. Wolves just continually, perpetually. I mean, that's kind of crazy with Carl Anthony Towns, with Anthony Edwards, with D'Angelo Russell, with a new at 33.5. I'll, I'll touch on that one. Kings at 36.5. These are some good teams with not a lot of wins. So that's the bottom five. Pelicans. At six, or at the bottom, that's the bottom, yeah, five. Pelicans at, th- at, at then the Grizzlies, and then we get to the playoff teams. So those are the out of the playoffs. Working up on the betonline.ag over-unders, we have the Blazers, then the Clippers at seven, the Mavericks at six, tied with Denver at five, the Warriors at four, the Jazz and Suns tied at two, three, and the Lakers as the number one team on the betonline.ag over-unders for the Western Conference. Just quickly, I know it's not our main concern, the East, Nets, Bucks, Sixers at the top, Heat, Celtics, Hawks, then Bulls, Pacers, Knicks, all the exact same uh, with the Magic, the Pistons, the Cavs uh, being terrible. Interesting to me, and this just tells you how loaded this is, the, the actual number one takeaway I have on this is the idea that the Pelicans with Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, the Kings with De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, whatever they're putting together, the Wolves with their time, like the Wolves are projected to be 10 games out of the playoffs. 
The Kings are projected to be seven games out of the playoffs. The Pelicans are projected to be four games out of the playoffs. They added Jonas Valanciunas. Like, wow. To me, like the level of depth that we're dealing with in the NBA right now to, is, is actually kind of the, what jumps out to me more than anything else when I look at it. Now let's go to the top. So the idea here is obviously if the Lakers can get healthy and with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, they're the best team. It's also an element of like who's betting. And if you drop, you know, the, the idea here is you're going to get 50% of your bets on one side of this or the other. And the, uh, and, and the concern is that if you drop the Lakers numbers too much, you're going to end up with way too many uh, people betting on the over. And then if they actually get hot, you've got a problem, right? If you're the bet, if you're betonline.ag. So that's, that's a little bit of it. What What's also interesting here, and I think it's a little bit of a statement to, to not knowing, you know, how many teams are going to play in the regular se- season, but the Jazz would have won 59 games. La- players are going to play in the regular season. The Jazz would have won 59 games last year. The Suns would have won. Jazz would have won 59. Suns would have won 58. Even the Nuggets, who had the injuries and won 47, would have won 53, as would have the Clippers. And the highest over-under number here is 52.5. So four teams last year, it had been a full schedule, would have won more than 52.5, actually would have won 53 in the Western Conference. This number's down because I think people are expecting a lot of rest this year back to an 82-game schedule and coming off a short offseason. They're not certain on injuries, obviously, can swing it. But it does feel like a lot of over bets should be in line here, like over on 52.5 for the Lakers. The Jazz won 52 last year. The the Jazz at 51.5, like they won 52 last year. The Suns won 51 last year. Their their over-unders at 51.5. That jumps out also is that, like, wait a sec, what? why is this? And I think some of this is predicated a little bit on what, what I was just talking about is the Wolves, Kings, Pelicans, Grizzlies aren't pushovers. Maybe even the Spurs aren't a pushover. The the amount of teams that are a pushover in the West are are really the Rockets and Oklahoma City are the only teams that I think you can kind of openly know you're getting three or four games out of in the season. And so then when you're suddenly playing, you know, you play the we play the Pelicans four times this year. Like, do you think you're going? If are you certain you're going three and one against the Pels? Are you going two and two? Um, like, you know, these are the kind of questions that I would have. Um, you know, I think which is keeping the numbers down. Then also, you just don't know is LeBron playing sixty games? Is Anthony Davis playing sixty games? Quick run through on this one. The Warriors to me are the really interesting team here. The idea of the Warriors are the fourth seed. So Lakers, Suns, Jazz, Warriors at four. I, I may be way off boat on this, but I don't see this. Like they didn't make the playoffs last year. I under James Wiseman's in his second year. I'm not sure. Rookies don't help you win. Yeah. Moody and Kamunga both look good, but like they don't help you win. Rookies just never help you win. And in very rare circumstances, okay, like never's an overstatement. Donovan certainly helped us, but it's unless they've really hit something like with a miraculous pick there. And then Clay Thompson, now they're talking about Christmas. We're talking Achilles, we're talking ACL. I'm a little mystified on the Warrior love on this. The Laker regular season bump, you have Russ, you can give LeBron a little rest. Maybe, maybe. Um, They're pretty thin, though. Like, 
you know, and LeBron doesn't like to rest. So I think you can maybe feel good on that. Um, I do think that the team that's going to be most improved in the West is the Suns because Mikel Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, and Devin Booker will all be better. But then you get the question of whether or not whether or not you end up with Chris Paul being injured more. But I do think the Suns are the most improved team. So I feel like that's a reasonable over. The Warriors, I think, are a reasonable under. Jason Kidd coaching the pit, the Mavericks is a whole other concept here. Like the Giannis book that's out right now um, by fellow Occidental College graduate um, is, is kind of indicting on Kidd. Maybe he's changed of who he is. But Luka should be better, but Kidd's not a great head coach. Um, has or has not shown to be a great head coach in his track record so far. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. And then the Clippers are a wild card, 44.5. Paul George is still pretty great. Um, I don't know what you can expect out of Serge Ibaka, but the rest of that team still pretty darn good. The only question I would have on the Clippers is at some point in the process, do they just kind of rest, you know, lose their ump? Denver and the Clippers both to me, kind of run into this same interesting situation when you're trying to figure out their over-under, they're both still pretty damn good, right? You're without Kawhi Leonard and you're without Jamal Murray. And those are, it's really a 12-month injury on the ACL unless there's something that Kawhi's not a full ACL. But Jamal Murray is really a, as, as incredible as he is and as much of a go-getter as he is. It's really a 12-month injury. And so when you, when you look at that, there's a – you, you get worn down. There's there's a few things. Denver, if you actually dug into it, their, their survival without Jamal Murray, it wasn't against the best of teams. Um, and then I think the Clippers could lose a little oomph along the way when you're just trying to carry it through without Kawhi. And you know you can't win a championship when you used to be able to. Uh, the final team I'll talk about, this is like just a really quick overview of the West. And then we're going to do uh, points gained here and I'll get some more of this done. The final one is I'm not as down on the Blazers as everyone else. I may turn out to be wrong on this first-year head coach in Chauncey Billups. I think it's going to be a great disadvantage. But this was the number one offense in the NBA from the date in which they acquired Norman Powell, I believe. And I really you know, go back to my, my playoff analysis, which turned out to not be, uh, frankly, right, um, but was that Portland, to me, lined up, if you kind of took their stuff after March 25th, they lined up to be as as good as any team in the NBA in the playoffs. Now, again, funky season. How do you look at some of these numbers? But I, I'm I'm not convinced that they're not going to be one of the best teams in all of the NBA in regards offensively. And so when we're talking about them as just being a, you know, you know, kind of a 43 win team, I'm not I'm not entirely buying it. Um, Portland's offensive rating after they grabbed Norman Powell was a 120.9. Um, and they were a plus seven differential, third best in the NBA in those final 28 games. They just turned out to not win games they should have won. They had like a, they had bad luck, frankly. Um, they had really good luck early in the year, but they were the third best differential in the league after grabbing Norman Powell. I, I'm not entire 43.5 to me i'm going my kind of big bets here i would take is over on the blazers and under on the warriors i might flip the two frankly uh when it gets right to it all right that's a quick look at the betonline.ag over unders we'll talk the rest of the nba with ron boone coming up today's show is brought to you my my good friends over intercap lending steve carter and the crew he, they are our official uh, loan Steve Carter's our loan officer. We've got a corporate deal with him for you, and they just do amazing, amazing work. I just love working with Steve Carter because I love getting the feedback from 
our listeners who've used Steve Carter and had the experience because every single time it's the same thing. Wow, hyper-responsive, unbelievable, uh, helping me get it done. You guys know me well enough. You know what a zoo I am. I've gotten two de- two refinances done with Steve. That's like superhuman on his part. Call Steve Carter at 385-800-8528. It's all about intercap lending. Intercap lending, NMLS number 190465. Intercap lending, they're hyper-responsive, direct lender. They can do difficult loans. They can straighten out if you've got some interest things where the big loan lenders can't do it. And Steve Carter it does an amazing job. They are blowing up. Why? Because they get deals done. And that's what wins for everyone involved is getting the deals done. It's over at Intercap Lending. You can give Steve Carter a call, 385-885-28. If you'd rather email me directly, I'll give you the setup with Steve and give you the direct email correspondence. Feel free to email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock at 09 at gmail.com. And I'll just set you up with Steve. He's always uh, very quick to respond. Today's show is also brought to you by Sweatblock. If you have a excessive sweating issue or a big presentation where you've got a high school kid who gets nervous at school and then embarrassed about it, it's only worse, this is an incredible answer for you. Doctor created and doctor recommended. Sweatblock is there for you. Here's how it works. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than the clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed. The next morning you wake up and wash and go about your day without worrying about sweat guaranteed. So huge date, big presentation, just an excessive sweater. This is a dream come true for you. There's no reason to sweat through shirts anymore. There's no reason to have to have that embarrassment where you hold the elbows in tight so that you don't have to show the pit spots. Uh, It is absolutely uh, terrific. Uh, the owner, Chase, was telling us that he's not excessive sweater, so he had to try out the product. So he did one side and went on a run and didn't do the other side. Absolutely amazing. Get it today, 20% off at sweatblock.com. Your promo code locked on. That's at sweatblock.com, promo code locked on. Third and final day with the great Ron Boone here on the program. Thanks very much for tuning in. Appreciate it. Ron's been with us throughout the week. So if you haven't missed it, we've talked about the offseason moves, where the franchise is. Today, we're going to talk about the Western Conference and how this is all going to work out. Ron Boone. Yes, David. Russell Westbrook is on the Lakers. What? Yes. (laughs) Now, what does he do for the Lakers? He's going to run off and leave most of his teammates. I, I think, honestly, David, I really think that if, if he changes his game, he can be effective. He can't be that guy that, that runs off and leaves his teammates all the time. It's just over and over and over and over. If there's a system in Los Angeles and they don't run that often or they're not that fast, and if they're going to continue to play that way, Westbrook has to slow it down. Westbrook has to uh, be more efficient with his shots, and and it's all going to be on his on his shoulders on the, on how good the Lakers are going to be this year. They, uh, defensively, they were awfully good over the years, you know, because of their the, the type of defense that they play, the length that they have. They got Anthony Davis defending the rim, uh, and they put a lot of offensive pressure on you with, with, with LeBron James. 
So success of this team this year is going to be on Westbrook's shoulders, and he's going to have to he's going to have to really change his game. Otherwise, him and LeBron James are going to butt heads. Yeah, I, I got to tell you what, Ron, I, I don't get this at all. All right. Yeah. So they're not a great half court. They've not been a great half court offensive team the last two years. Even with the year they won the title, if you look at their half court offense, it wasn't great. Um, the league's about three point shooting, as and having as part of your floor spacing. There's no like that's undeniable. Um, I, I don't like. In a half-court offense, I don't know how they're going to score. They're going to have to be unbelievable defensively and then run, run, run. But you're asking 33, 36, 37-year-old guys to run, run, run seems contrary. And frankly, any team with Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony, I think you're going to have a hard time being great defensively. So, David, if they were so bad offensively, how did they win the NBA championship? Because they did not play an above average off defensive team in their entire run until they got against Miami in the finals and Miami was hurt. How's that for a ready answer? Dang. I knew you had the answer. I don't know why I asked the question. But <laughs> now think about this. You think that they was okay. No, I don't think that's a bad question. They would no way they just let Westbrook just okay, you just go ahead and go. If you have something, get it. Otherwise, you bring it back out and we'll get into our offense. Well, I, that's not gonna work. No, they gotta let Westbrook be Westbrook, or else he has absolutely no value. Because uh, like you make West like Westbrook shooting like 18% from three-point shots over the last like three years. Back off of him and let him shoot it. Right. And he well, David, you got you stunned me. I don't know, uh, and I don't think anybody can answer that question. Uh, Westbrook, I've, I've heard some interviews with him. He says we'll figure it out. You're going to have to figure it out. What do you mean? You say, yeah, you're going to have to figure it out. Have they have they figured it out on other teams with, with him? Uh, why is he so tradable? How many teams to be played for? Every year, one, every two, year he goes to three. one team and then wants his way out. Yeah. So that is, is that five teams already? Yeah. Five teams? Yeah. yeah. And it's not like he's at the downside of his career when a lot of guys start to get traded, you know. So, wow. I might argue he's on the downside of his career, by the way. Oh, really? I okay. think those knees have slowed him down. I think we can look at some numbers and see that he's not quite the same guy. I mean, I know he's loading up triple doubles and all that, but, like, his three-point shooting is – well, it may be his, listen to his three-point shooting the last four seasons. 29, 29, 26, 32, 31.5. I mean, his he, last, he just can't shoot. Like 29, 29, 34, 29, 29, 26, 31.5. Like those yeah, are his yeah, shooting so numbers most, last few years. And, and those high percentage, field goal percentage numbers that he getting a lot of layups. Yes, his shooting at the rim... So, has held consistent the last three years and actually increased. But you want to hear a crazy number on Russell Westbrook that if I was a Laker fan, I'd be very scared about. Percent, percentage of field goal attempts 
taken at the rim. Four okay. years ago, 38% of his shots at the rim. Three years ago, 36% of his shots at the rim. Two uh, years ago, 42% of his shots at the rim. Last year, 19% of his shots at the rim. He dropped from a three-year average of 39% to 19% of his shots at the rim. Ooh. Ron, oh, boy. Ron Boone. This is going to be interesting. interesting. You got, I'm, I'm puzzled. I'm stunned. I don't, I don't know where he – with that, I don't know where he's going to be effective with, with the basketball team. Do you have any – like, as a player, I don't – like, did, what is it as a player when you suddenly don't get to the rim anymore? What's happening there? Well, you – if that was his biggest asset, is is the way his ability to get to the rim, then all of a sudden you can't get there anymore. Now to be effective out there on the floor, you got to get better somewhere else. I mean, your legs are the first to go and 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 things like this. And then you get and and then having the ability to take advantage of how teams are are defending you, especially in the half court, open court. That's a different story. And I think any open court trying to trying to defend him. As fast as he is with the basketball, it, it, it's totally different. But when you get older, those legs are the first to go. You, you change your game. You become better at something else, a la Carl Malone. He got better at the mid-range jump shot throughout his career. Can Westbrook do something like that? Or will he realize that and start to go in a different direction? That might be the biggest question is whether or not Russell Westbrook is willing to admit that. Great point. Uh, and, and a lot of times you remember your glory days and how good you were or how, I, and, and, and how I used to be able to do this or, you know, that type of thing. And you're still trying to get it done, still trying to do those things that, that uh, you know, for the most part that you can't do anymore, but you're still trying to get it done. Uh, I have one. Everyone asked, did anyone in the West get better? And the initial reaction to almost everyone is that nobody in the West got better, right? Denver did some things, but they probably don't have Jamal for a while, if not the whole season. Clippers, I'm not sure what they did. They held it together. Uh, they kept Reggie Jackson. They re-signed Nicholas Batum. They held it together, but I'm not sure how long they have Kawhi. Um, I, I don't know if I think Dallas really got better. I just kind of said I don't think the Lakers got better. Portland, actually, I think might have gotten a little better. I think people have forgotten that Portland was the was the number one offense in the NBA. Um, after, really? got Norm, really... after Norman Powell, what? yeah. Once once they went to Norman Powell, Dame Lillard, C.J. McCollum, and Yusuf Nurkic, I think they had the number one in offense. Now, they also don't have the great offensive coach they had last year, so I think they probably got less good on the coaching front. Um, I'll get to that mm -hmm. in a second. But the one team I think gets better is Phoenix. Because all those guys just get older. It's the same way that I think – and we didn't talk about this, but I think Rudy and Donovan are why we get better. Donovan's only in his fifth year. Devin Booker's in his sixth year. Kel Bridges is in his yeah. third year. DeAndre Ayton's in his fourth year. Like, these guys are going to get better because they're still young. Like, I actually think the two teams that are going to get better in the Western Conference this year are Utah and Phoenix because their stars are the youngest. And been with the same coach, same system, and yeah, that that really it totally makes sense, David. I, I have no comeback on, on on that, but 
um, the Western Conference is still going to be strong enough to where uh, you just can't take any team lightly. No, I think there could be Phoenix, like eight, Phoenix, 850 win level teams, right? Like they're loaded. I, I, those numbers don't add up, do they, David? No, they don't. It's impossible. Yeah, you can't huh? actually. No, you're correct. The numbers do not add up. It is impossible to do that. Okay, if you put it this way, there's eight teams that have the possibility of getting 50 wins. Yes, that's a better way to say it. All right, I have the other reason why I think the Jazz have an edge, and then we're going to wrap up the show in our final segment of the week with Ron Boone because I've been playing a photo album of pictures of Ron Boone that he hasn't been able to see um, during all of these shows. And so I'm going to ask him about little things about each of the pictures in our final segment here in a second. Don't worry, if you're on, right. on the podcast, you'll get them. But here's the final reason why I think the Jazz have another advantage this season. And it's not as uh, – it's an inch one. All of the new coaches in the NBA, okay, and there was a ton of new yeah. coaches, and the big storyline everyone's making about the new coaches is how many black new coaches were hired. That's great. However, yeah. here's what I think the real storyline is. Udoka in Boston, never been a head coach. Okay, Jason Kidd, bad head coach. Um, Willie Green, never been a head coach. Jamal Mosley, never been a head coach. Chauncey Billups, never been a head coach. Wes Unsell Jr., never been a head coach. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of these hires. They've all been assistants. But we have seen in this league, it is really, really hard to be an NBA coach in this league. Like, really, really hard. And all these guys that are first-time head coaches in the NBA, and I think all of them are first-time head coaches in their career, like that's a massive disadvantage compared to going up against a Monty Williams or a Quinn Snyder or a Rick Carlisle or a, I don't know, but like, right? Like to me, like when you now look at the top, like Frank Vogel and, and Tyron Lou, like Frank Vogel, Tyron Lou, Monty Williams, Quinn Snyder, that's a massive advantage if you're going up against Jamal Mosley, Wes Unsell Jr., and these guys that are first-time ever head coaches. I don't doubt all of them can be good head coaches at, over time, uh, but it it's hard. David, I totally agree with that. And looking at it from that standpoint, then that tells me right there that there's going to be some teams that are going to struggle especially early, maybe a couple of them come to life after January, something like that, but they should struggle early. Now, you forgot Silas. I, even though Silas, uh, Stephen Silas would be a, a, what, be a second year next year with the Houston Rockets, but you, know, you look at what he had down there in order to win or try to win. Any of those teams that you mentioned that has first-time head coaches, you look at the talent level. There are some coaches that can coach talent, and then there's the other coaches who can get the best out of less talent. And I think when we start looking at some of those coaches, you got to look at things like that because a 50-win season just might be good enough for you know, some, of those, some of those new coaches that you just mentioned. He's Ron Boone. We're going to play photo album fun with Ron Boone next to finish up the week's shows here on Lockdown. Final segment of the week with Ron Boone coming up in just a second. Thanks so much 
for tuning in and please give Ron a big thank you. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar, our good friends with all the amazing flavors. Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, healthy, high protein, low calorie, and yummy. What else do you want? 100% chocolate, 100% delicious. Peanut butter brownie is out right now. Coconut almond. I can't tell you about those because those have nuts, but I can tell you the orange, strawberry, coconut, mint brownie, salted caramel, raspberry, double chocolate, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, all big hits. And when they come out with the specialty flavors, it's amazing. 18 bar, mixed bar box for you. Two of each flavor you can order or build your own box, mix and match three flavors. And with Locked 15, you get 15% off. It's the best tasting protein bar on the market, it's Built Bar. Go to Built.com and find out what you can get for yourself and find out the bar that's taken over the Lockdown Podcast Network and everybody loves out there. It's Built.com, promo code LOCKED15. We'll take care of it for you. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live and another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friend log in for the No, no, I'll tell you all about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally, it's direct TV stream. And it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place, direct TV stream. It means no more juggling remotes, no more need to buy another device, all that other stuff, no annual contract as well. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your direct together with direct TV stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible devices required. Content varies per by package. It is direct TV stream. And when I'm done with this show with Ron Boone coming up next, I am on that immediately because we've got to get our home system figured out. It is directtvstream.com. Ron Boone, more with the great one. Make sure you send him a ten, a uh, tweet at 1041 straight and thanks him for the week's work. Final segment with Ron Boone. We've been doing all week. It's been great fun. All right, RB. I've been playing a bunch of pictures of you. And I'm going to post, put them up. I know you can't see them, but uh, I'll give you a little description. You can kind of tell us a story or a memory about the time. How's that? So the the first one is you, very muscular, moderate hair level, nowhere near your Afro days, probably just a good inch and a half. ABA ball, Spirits of St. Louis, number one. That's like the legendary team of the ABA and the Spirits of St. Louis. What do you remember about that period of time? What I remember about that team, David, if that team would have gone into the NBA, that would have been one of the better teams in the NBA at that time. Myself, and notice I put myself first. I like it. Marvin Barnes, Moses Malone, Don Chaney, Cowell Jones, uh, Mike, Barrett, uh, ML Carr. Wow. Uh, we could have gone into the NBA with that team. Fred Lewis, Freddie Lewis. And, man, we, we, we could have made some noise in the, in the NBA if that team would have been selected to go into the NBA. That team, Moses and I joined that team because of the dispersal draft. And so we were only there for like two and a half, three months. To finish out the season and remind people why there was a dispersal draft with three months left in a season. Well, the dispersal draft was to, to see what the NBA, what players that NBA wanted off of the teams that they didn't want 
in the NBA. Utah was one of them. They, it was not a team that they uh, they selected to to, uh, to go into the NBA. And so uh, they sent a few of us to certain teams, and then the NBA had a dispersal draft. I was picked number three by the Kansas City Kings. Um, that's better than when you were drafted in the 24th round out of Idaho State. No, it sure, certainly sure it was. So it was the not the 24th round, but the 12th no. round. No, and I'm the, just kidding. Was the 24th round? Oh, okay. I think it was right. the I think it was Thanks. the 12th round, maybe the 240th pick. So yeah, somewhere in there. All right. But they had a lot of. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm good. All right. Your next picture of you rising up for a jump shot, very one-handed. The left-hand guide hand is not on the ball. You're wearing your white stars shirt with a star number 24 in the front. You're shooting it over Billy Pulse, and you've got very short shorts on. What do you remember about that? Those times. Uh. I, I remember those short shorts, that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, Billy Poss, Dick Center, played for the uh, New Jersey Nets at, at one time, and the San Antonio Spurs, I think he played there as well. Um, he was a very pretty good center, but better known for the bar he had in, in New York. I think he might still be a bar owner up there. That, uh, that's, what he, that's what he liked to do. Uh, it looks like this is probably in the Salt Palace, particularly if you're wearing white. Decent crowd, mm -hmm. some empty seats in the back. Like, what was that as a was that what was that like as a place to play? Uh, well, if I if I knew which one you were looking at with the type of uniform we had on, was it a star on the uniform? Yeah, a star yeah. in the front and kind of a, a, a little lines coming up the side of your short shorts with stars on okay, the so, waistband. So, so that's getting to the point where it's like the seventies. 374. I'm not sure if Moses was here then. Um, and the attendance may have dropped a little bit, but early in the early in the Stars day, you know, especially after winning the ABA championship that first year, you know, 12,000 feet arena, we were pretty much selling it out, David. You know? It's pretty but, great. Pretty great. All right, the next one, same uniform. You're going up for a rebound, and I think it's against George McGinnis, because 30 on Indiana to me is George McGinnis. Is that right? George McGinnis, and, and, and I'm thinking Mel Daniels may have been uh, – George McGinnis, I think, was number, number 30. So am I going up for a rebound, or am I – uh, looks what am me, I doing? Looks to me as though you might have out-jumped George McGinnis. The ball's up on the glass. You've reached through him and I think are getting a rebound. McGinnis is screening out with his left hand against one of your teammates whose number starts with two. I can't see who it is. But I think you're going to grab this board, Rod. I think you're getting this one. You know, those are the days when, you know, you thought you could out-jump everybody and, you know, you had to put and, uh, and that Indiana Pacer team was the Utah Stars' rival. Man, look, we had some great basketball games against them. But then George McGinnis. He was the one-handed jump shooter. Remember him? Uh, very strong um, and went on to star with the Philadelphia 76ers, as a matter of fact. But if that, that uniform, well, I think, was like the 73-74 season. The owner of the Utah Stars back in those days, David, was, was um, a very patriotic owner. 
Bill Daniels was his name, made all of his money in cable TV, you know, that type of thing. And after we won the NBA championship, that following year, we played the Milwaukee Bucks in a preseason game who had won the NBA championship that year. And Bill Daniels wanted us to wear, and we only wore them one time, our warm-ups that you go out on the court was a flag. And we decided we wear those just that game and that game only. And and what and, and what was particular about those warmups? They were flat out. I mean, it was a flag, David, and something was a, they were ugly. <laughs> they were ugly. It, it, it was a flag. And just think about that preseason game with Oscar Robinson on it and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with those sky hooks with that sixteen-foot lane was just too much. Too much for us. Even though Delmo Beatty, you know, had some very good ball games against. Any of those NBA centers, but Kareem was just just a monster. Well, speaking of Kareem, my next picture is Kareem giving Magic Johnson five, and you're sitting next to them with the ball on your hip. So it's Magic, yeah. Kareem, and Ron Boone. I have that picture on my wall, David. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, that was Magic's first year, um, and you see that smile on his face? He had that on his face all the time. He was a kid that came into the league that just loved the play, and, and, and he had a, a had a ton of fun. And when they found out how good he was, they shipped me right out of there. <laughs> shipped me somewhere else. <laughs> uh, and when did, you, when did you know he was that good? Well, you, you see it in practice, how he do, just dominated practice. You know, he's he, six foot nine, and, and um, you can tell that Kareem loved him. Because Kareem could move, he can get into basketball, and put it in the right pocket to where he could catch and shoot that sky hook or, but he was, he, he, he ran and, and, and you just love to play with a guy like that, that you can see why worthy and, and, you know, guys like that end up having and Jamal Wilkes. That was your man, wasn't it? Jamal Wilkes. Uh, no, Purvis Short. Purvis Short. Purvis Short and World Be yeah. Free were my backyard guys. We're, we're, world Be Free. That's right. All right, my last picture is you hanging in the air. Your socks are pulled up to your knee. You're wearing a Dallas shirt with number 12 on it, and you're driving to the basket with your left arm outstretched, the ABA ball. I think you're wearing white low tops against some guy on Indiana, number 14, who looks very small but very muscular. Is he a white guy? No, black guy. Okay, so that would have been Freddie Lewis. I, I was thinking that it, it, it would have been Billy Keller, who, it, it, since you said very small. But that would have been Freddie Lewis. Um, that was my probably my first or second year in the ABA uh, because I wore t- number 12. And when I arrived here in Utah, uh, Mike Butler already had the name of the number 12. And so they gave me 24. And, that's how I became the wearing number 24. But that, again, that's the Indiana Pacers, right? That's a, Boy, they were everybody's rival. They were a very good team with Mel Daniels, uh, Freddie Lewis. They had um, Roger Brown and uh, Bob Nedelecki. I mean, they were, they were a very good basketball. Coached by none other than Slick Leonard, Hot oh. Rod's favorite drinking buddy. Uh, well, maybe they're having one together. 
Um, yeah. Oh, they, oh, wow. Yeah. Right? Maybe so Slick, Slick just passed away. So, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, there did not seem to be much of a crowd there in Dallas. Is that fair? No, it, you're absolutely right. It was not a very good crowd. And I think that's the reason they end up moving going to San Antonio. Okay. Um, ABA really struggled early in the, in, in the ABA days with attendance. I remember playing in Houston uh, to where it wasn't very many people in the crowd. So they put all the fans on one side of the floor. And, and then they had the cameras from the, you know, from the, you know, where they didn't have anyone in the seats on that side of the floor. So the camera was always pointing toward fans and, and it kind of filled up the arena as far as the, the cameras were concerned. But attendance was not not very good there early in the ABA days. Uh, Except in Utah. Except in Utah. Fill it up. I like it. Um, the, uh, the I actually have one more here because I want you. It's the Utah Stars team leader. So it's you scoring, you free throws, Al Smith assists, and Moses Malone on rebounds. What was Moses like? Sweet Mo. He was an 18 year old. And at a tremendous speed, he had the, the best second, third effort after a rebound that any that you, anyone I've ever seen. And that was his greatest asset when he first came into the league. And, and obviously, it being a Hall of Famer, you know, he, he developed very, very – the turnaround jump shot, the little jump hook. Uh, but his biggest asset, boy, was at rebounding and around the glass. He was 18 years old when he came into the league, and and one of the first to to go and join a professional basketball team right out of high school. Who was the other ones? Let's say Daryl Dawkins and yeah, there was another kid, Robert yeah. Willing Willowbury or someone like that. Remember that name? Like something like that. Wimberly. Yes. Uh, yeah, there was a yeah, there was Bill Wimberly, something yeah, like that. Yeah. All right, the last yeah. picture is you and Hot Rod laughing together. Any any memories you want to share about Hots? Boy, where do you want me to start? I mean, he was very fun to work with. Um, and, you know, I had some great years working with him. I learned a lot from him as far as TV is concerned and, and you know, uh, what to look for in the ball game. So what I did learn was I learned to look for the opposite of what he was um, – what he looked at or how he broadcast the ball game um, because he was such a good broadcaster. He anticipated very well, something similar to what you do, David. And so our fans can understand what's going on here. Uh, sometimes you guys are so excited. You get, you get, you get ahead of the play and you know what's going to happen. He's going to duck the basketball and he throws it down and it comes back out, you know, but you're ahead of the play, you know, but he was so good at that. And, uh, just enjoyed work. I, it was so sad for me anyway after after being with him for for 16 years. Uh, when you see him in the in the situation that he was in and the way he uh, was just unable to take care of himself. All right, the final last bit of this, we leave with the Ron Boone picture. 24 the jersey up on the screen ron boone thanks for taking time with us all week it's been fun the advent of youtube lets us have a little more fun there we start very soon i hope you realize that we usually do these interviews in august 
And so this is actually on schedule. But like we start in like six weeks. You realize that? Yeah, yeah, six weeks until the season will start somewhere around the 20th. Is that right? I think it's a little earlier. October, a little earlier than that. Yeah. October is okay. Because I know when they went to. Preseason starts like the 26th or 7th of September. Oh, that's when practice starts. Yeah. But the games will start around. Boy, they're not even playing as many preseason games. Yeah. So the games will start like. Two weeks or three weeks after when practice. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's going to be like 18th, 19th, or 20th, I, I, I think. I feel like that's a little late, but I think that's probably right. Um, okay, so last year, David, we finished the season May 16th. October 19th so is time, the opener, just to make sure I'm accurate on that. So say that again. We finished I'll, May what? We finished the season May 16th last year. And this year... And we didn't start till March 12th with preseason games. Only three preseason games last year, so it probably end up being about the same this year as well. Yeah, four of them. Four of them yeah. out this year. We'll open in San Antonio, then to Dallas, home against mm-hmm. Milwaukee and New Orleans in reverse order. Yeah, yeah. So, well, let's get going. I'm All right, ready. RB. Thank you very much for the time. We greatly appreciate it. Big hand of applause for Ron Boone. Thank you. Yeah, Send him tweets at, at 10:41 straight and tell him thanks. This has been Locked On Jazz. Have a great weekend.